Peace be upon you. So in the Quran, there's different words that are used for the concept of charity. And each one has a certain significance. The one that most people are probably familiar with is that of zakat. Zakat is the 2.5% that we give of the money we earn, the day we earn it, to those in need. And this word comes from the same word to purify. Because when we give our zakat, we're purifying our income. The second word is sadaqah. Sadaqah is probably the closest Arabic word to the word charity. And charity is typically given without any strings attached. The expectation is that I'm giving this strictly for the sake of God when done correctly. And what's interesting is that the same root for sadaqah is the same word for someone who's truthful. And my understanding from that is that when someone has ulterior motives in the information they're giving you, where they can benefit or lose by how you react to that information, the likeliness of them being truthful diminishes. Think about someone who's selling you a product or someone who's marketing something to you. How willing are you to accept all the information they share? Because you know, deep down, the fact of how you react to their message or how it's portrayed has a direct implication to the information they are providing you. But on the flip side, if someone has nothing to gain or lose by providing you information, the likeliness that they're truthful increases. And this is the same thing for charity. When someone gives you charity without any strings attached, you know that they're doing it out of a place of love and compassion, that they're not doing it for ulterior motives. And I believe that's the reason these two words share the same root. Now, the third word that is typically associated with charity that is used in the Quran is anfig. And this word literally means to spend. And I want to get into the details of why this is so significant in comparison to sadaqah or zakat. But in addition, this word shares the same root as the word for hypocrite, which is nafaq. And God willing, I'm going to explain why I understand that these two words share the same meaning. But let's start off by reading the very first time this word is used in the Quran, which is at the onset of the Quran in Surah 2, verse 3. And I'm going to start from reading verse 2. It says, This scripture is infallible, a beacon for the righteous who believe in the unseen, observe the contact per salat, and from our provisions to them, they give to charity. Now, this expression that's translated as they give to charity is yonfigun, which literally just means they spend. So what is the purpose of God saying that a trait of the believer is that they spend? Now, elsewhere in the Quran, we see that this spending is not just frivolous, that it's spending in the cause of God. But let's stop to contemplate what is the difference between spending and giving. When someone typically gives, the idea is that there is no expectation in return, that I'm giving something to you and I'm not expecting anything in return. But when I spend, I could potentially be expecting a product, a service, some sort of return on that spending. And I believe this is the difference between giving and spending. To better understand the significance of God using the term to spend so early in the Quran as a trait of the believer, let's look at another verse in Surah 2 verse 219 where it reads, They also ask you what to give to charity. 
And again, this same word as far as what to give to charity is yonfigun, which is, again, just means simply to spend. And the answer that's given, it's to say the excess. God thus clarifies the revelations for you that you may reflect. And the word in Arabic for excess is afwa. This is the same word that's used to pardon when someone does an offense to you, that God advocates for us to pardon, and it uses the same word. But what's the significance when God is telling us what to give, and it's, it's saying the excess? Another meaning for afwa is to give more than what is due. Meaning, someone did a work for me, a task for me. There's a bare minimum I owe them. This is measuring with an equitable scale. But if I hypothetically give them more than they're owed, then I'm doing above and beyond what is required of me. And I believe that this is what it means when it says to give the excess. If I can afford a product or a service for something that I want to support, I believe that this verse is encouraging us to do so. Think about being at a restaurant and you have a server and the server is trying their, uh, their best to basically accommodate your needs. And now you got the bill and you have a choice. Do you give them no tip? Do you give them a 10% tip, a 15% tip, 18% or 20? My belief is that this is a form of charity when you go above and beyond to pay them more than what's due. Now, if you go with the industry standard, you say, hey, 15%. But if you want to go above and beyond, you might do 20%. You might do 25%. That this is a form of charity. Now, you're spending in the sake of helping someone else, someone who's providing a job, a service, a work for you. That this is different than a charity per se, because a charity you give without the expectation of anything in return. But spending, they've done the work, they've, they've helped you, they've provided, they've accommodated. You're just going above and beyond to make sure that they're generously compensated for the work and effort that they've done. When I thought about this, it made me think about how I used to tip in the past. I always thought, you know, this is so dumb. Why am I giving tips? You know, why don't they just bake it into the, the, the price? And now I view this as an opportunity to give to charity, as an opportunity to give someone more than what's due to them, to be able to fulfill this aspect of giving the excess. If I'm not in dire conditions financially, and I can afford to give a few extra dollars to someone else who's serving me, then I see this as a charitable act. I see this as a way to spend in the cause of God. There's been times where I have to hire a contractor. I have to hire someone to do uh, manual work or development work or whatever for me. And I know because of market conditions, they might not be in a place of strength to negotiate a higher wage or a higher price. But what I do, in essence, is I allow them, I negotiate with them down, and then I will overpay them for the work that they've done because I value the work that they're doing and I want to make sure that they're adequately compensated for it. And this is the flip to what uh, uh, Shweb was telling his people. In Surah 7 verse 85 says, to Midian we sent their uh, brother Shweb, he said, Oh my people, worship God, you have no other God beside him. Proof has come to you from your Lord. You shall give full weight in full measure when you trade. Do not cheat the people out of their rights, do not corrupt the earth after it has been set straight. This is better for you if you are believers. A trait of a believer is that they're generous. God tells us in the Quran that the individuals who gave what they themselves needed, it showed the strength of their faith. And it's the same thing. 
that when you're put in a position of power, you have someone serving you, you have someone who's providing work for you, that if you can afford to pay them more than what's due, then you're spending, in my opinion, in the cause of God. You're not doing this to get accolades from them. You're doing this as an opportunity to be generous, to be forthcoming with the wealth that God has provided you. And this does not mean being extravagant. God warns us against this. It says in Surah 25, verse 67, it says, When they give, they are neither extravagant nor stingy. They give in moderation. And what's interesting is, again, the same word that's used in the context of giving is nafagu, uh, which means to spend. That they are spending and they're neither extravagant nor are they stingy. But they give people more than what's due to them out of generosity. Now, this is just, again, one facet that I understand why spending in the cause of God is given so much attention throughout the Quran. But there's another clue to all this. In Surah 2, verse 261, it reads, The example of those who spend their monies in the cause of God is that of a grain that produces seven spikes, with a hundred grains in each spike. God multiplies this manifold for whomever He wills. God is bounteous, knower. So what is it in the spending in the cause of God that God equates this to a grain that produces seven spikes with a hundred grains in each spike, multiplied manifold? This means 700 times manifold that God is saying those who spend in the cause of God. Now again, if we distinguish between spending and giving, there's a fundamental thing that happens when we spend money, is that we are voting with our dollars what products, services, businesses we want to get more of. And this is one of the beauties of the market, is that when we spend our money towards a certain product, service, business, establishment, when we patron certain uh, establishments, when we choose to shop at certain locations, what we're doing is we're empowering those locations to provide more goods and services to the masses. Now, the majority of the products and commodities that most of us buy do not have a moral or virtuous component to it. But there are many things in life that do. Which movie we choose to watch, which service we choose to uh, purchase from. If these services are doing things that we find ungodly and there is a more righteous, God-worthy solution, that we should be willing to spend that extra money, go through that extra effort to support those businesses, those offerings, those services that are more aligned with a moral society. Now, let's say I have a choice between two services. One service is providing content that's moral, that's righteous, that promotes being a good, virtuous human being, while the other service provides vanity and lust and sinful conduct. And I choose to basically give my money and my attention and my time towards the one that is at a detriment to my soul and society versus the one that's virtuous and righteous. Then I'm making an active choice with my money, with my time, with my resources, which one I want to support. And as submitters, we should go out of our way to support causes and institutions and um, individuals who are striving in the cause of God. That even if I don't need their product or service per se, just for the sake of having them in the market, if I can afford it, I'm going to give my money towards it. There's numerous causes 
that I could say, I don't really use their product or service, but strictly for the sake of just making sure that they're supported, I give my money towards it. Now, this is different than a charity, right? A charity you give, you can do a 501c tax write-off, but these are established businesses that because I value what it is they, they're providing to the, uh, the, the, the market, I want to make sure that they have my support, even if it's a few dollars. And I think that this is the reason that God is saying those who spend their monies in the cause of God, that the benefit of that is 700 times manifold. Because when we give our money, our resources, towards establishments that we say is aligned with our moral integrity, then in essence what we're doing is we're voting with our dollars to make sure that more of those products and services are being offered to the masses. And voting with our dollars is so much more effective than even the institutional democratic kind of voting. Because a business that is not able to obtain dollars from customers, in essence, is not going to stay in business. And we had an interesting uh, incident a couple months back with Goya. This is the uh, uh, Hispanic food company where they were at a roundtable discussion and the CEO was saying how thankful he was for what President Trump at the time was doing for the Hispanic community. And because of that, he received severe blowback from individuals and other politicians, specifically AOC. But in retaliation, consumers voted with their dollars. And Goya, the following month, announced that AOC was their employee of the month because they saw their sales increase by 1,000%. And this goes to show that when we vote with our dollars, it has a direct impact on those businesses, those establishments, showing them our support. And this brings us back to the question of why is it that the word anfig, which means to spend, has the same root as the Arabic word for hypocrite, which is nafalk. Now there's a couple ways that I could see a connection here. One is that when it comes to the money we spend, again, this is a direct representation to inform us in society at large, what is it that we value? When we spend money on institutions, establishments, or subscriptions to things that we are morally against, then it's only a sign of hypocrisy. Because what we're doing is we're saying that, look, I stand for one thing, but my dollars, my voting with my dollars is going towards the complete opposite. Because at the end of the day, what we choose to spend our money on is a direct depiction of what it is that we value. When we work hard to earn this money, to transform our hard work into a reserve that we can use to purchase goods and services, things that we're saying, this is what we value in society. That if we use this hard-earned money that God has provided us towards products or services or subscriptions or anything that is morally objectionable, then it's showing that what we say is not matching what it is we do. God tells us in the Quran that the most abominable act is that we say what we do not do. But there's another way that these two words are related. The root of nafal has three meanings in the Quran. The first one is to spend. The second one is as a hypocrite. But the third meaning of this root is that of making a hole or tunnel in the form of a subterranean excavation. So how does this all relate? On May 29th, 
1453, the capital of the Byzantine Empire, Constantinople, was taken over by the Ottoman Empire. This was considered a near impossible task as Constantinople was surrounded by over 20 kilometers of the most fortified walls in the world at that time. Now, the way the Ottomans attacked the wall was twofold. The primary method was with large cannons blasting the, the exterior of the wall. But the second, more subversive method was through the employment of Serbian miners who excavated tunnels underneath the walls to weaken the foundation of the walls in conjunction with explosives. What these individuals did was they destroyed the foundations of the wall to cause the walls to crumble. And this is what hypocrites do. Hypocrites will cause tunnels through the foundation of their faith. And their spending is done in such a way where it subverts the very cause of God that a believer is striving for. And I believe this is the connection between those who spend their money in the cause of God being associated with those, the hypocrites, who spend their money, their time, their resources only to subvert the cause of God. In Surah 9, verse 67, it reads, The hypocrite men and hypocrite women belong with each other. They advocate evil, they prohibit righteousness, and they are stingy. They forgot God, so he forgot them. The hypocrites are truly wicked. And in Surah 57, verse 18, it says, Surely the charitable men and women have loaned God a loan of goodness. They will receive their reward multiplied manifold. They have deserved a generous recompense. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at Qurantalk at gmail.com. If you guys want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS app store. And uh, if you like the podcast, please leave us a review. And until next time, peace and God bless.